Wow, thank you. We're not even one week into our launch, and already we have thousands of listeners tuning into Invisible Choir from nearly all 50 states in the U.S. and across 17 countries worldwide. I want to very quickly thank my team, Seth, John, and Stephanie. They're absolute rock stars and helping to craft a new breed of intelligent and respectful true crime storytelling. And to you, our listeners, thank you so much for the positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and for sharing Invisible Choir with your friends and families on social media. You have made the show an instant success, and for that, we thank you. Stay tuned for a free Felony Friday mini-episode from our Patreon, Invisible Choir Premium. Go to patreon.com forward slash invisible choir to learn about our subscription options. For just a few cents per day, you get exclusive early access to regular episodes, premium full-length episodes, and a Felony Friday mini-episode each and every week, just in time for your morning commute. So join our first patrons, Shane, Jake, and Kimberly, to get exclusive content and perks today. And now, on with the show. Thank you for listening to Invisible Choir. This episode contains sensitive material, including graphic depictions of violence or abuse against children, which some listeners may find especially distressing or traumatic. Listener discretion is advised. They, they slammed the kid on the ground and stabbing their baby out here in the middle of the They're middle stabbing of the their baby? Welcome to the second edition of Felony Friday on Invisible Choir Premium. I'm your host, Michael Ojibwe. We're back with another horrendous case, this time in Louisville, Texas. It's a devastating tale of a father who, in a temporary state of madness, committed one of the most heinous and well-witnessed crimes on record in the Dallas-Fort Worth suburb. We'll explore the chaos that unfolded as multiple witnesses reported a truly horrendous scene with one bystander finally taking matters into his own hands to end the bloody attack. It's a case of synthetic reefer madness and drives us to ask the question, what ultimately drives a father to kill a son? This tragic crime happened at a courtyard at this complex. Neighbors I spoke to today say witnessing the details were incredibly disturbing. They say the father was shouting for people to watch him as he stabbed his son. Just hearing what happened is awful. He came down the steps right here and he had a baby in his arms. And as he got, I guess, 10 to 15 more yards down, he, he slammed him to the concrete. Some kind of trash or something. Neil down, grab out his knife, small knife, and started stabbing the little boy. Louisville police say the father was screaming, Jesus is coming. Ellis called 911. Louisville 911, location of the emergency. Uh, yes, there's somebody killing a little kid out here in Old Forest apartment right now. Somebody needs to get out here right now. Where in Old Forest, sir? Old Forest apartment. Where in the apartment? I have no, uh, it's in the middle of the apartment over here. It's in the middle of where? Oak Forest Apartment. Where? By what building? By, behind Burger King, uh, behind Apartment 15, Building 15. Somebody's just over here. What's going on? 
Somebody is killing their little kid right now. What do you mean by that? What, what are you seeing? They, they slammed their kid on the ground and stabbing their baby out here in the middle of the They're middle stabbing of the their baby? They say that to be still in times of chaos, to breathe, to observe, to take action, is one of the most difficult things to do. While most either go into a state of shock or take shelter and hide, some stand firm. No matter how terrifying or threatening the situation, there is a small portion of the population that acts in the face of terror. On Sunday, August 19, 2018, the first screams of terror echoed through the Oak Forest apartment courtyard. Only, they weren't screams for help or screams of agony. They were the throaty calls of a father begging for his neighbors to open up their windows or come outside to witness his truly abhorrent actions. One by one, they began phoning into 911 in sheer terror. Most unable to look at the scene unfolding before them for more than a few seconds at a time. They're stabbing their baby right now in the middle of the complex, right now. Okay, is anybody else trying to... Uh... Yes, there's people out there. I cannot go over there. Okay, hold on one go second. Okay. Can you see, um... I cannot go over there, ma'am. Okay, no, that's fine. We're, we're getting some help out there. The scene plays out quickly, over the course of just a few minutes. But as time often does in these situations, it felt like forever and a day as each neighbor responded to the yelling outside, only to see a man in his mid-twenties violently slamming a small toddler's head into the ground and stabbing him with what appeared to be a small kitchen knife. There's a family outside, outside the door, window. There's a baby dead on the floor. He's like three years old, maybe five. And his dad is like, he looks like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't, he's dead on the floor. There's blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. It's dead on the floor? His dad, yes, he's dead on the ground outside. 911 operators scramble to ascertain precisely what is happening and where the reported slang is occurring. With nearly a dozen calls in the span of just 120 seconds, they quickly try to eliminate those who cannot provide any additional information, moving from one call to the next, unfortunately cutting some off in the middle of their sentences to take other calls that could potentially provide more insight and details to the alleged suspect. Callers report the man is kneeling in the apartment courtyard over the boy somewhere between building 12 and 15. Police rush to the scene, believing there may still be time to save the boy's life. Hi, I'm at Oak Forest Apartments. I just saw a man stab a toddler. Okay. And where, where are they at? Um, they're by apartment building uh, 12. Okay. Hold on real quick, okay? Okay. Okay, is he white, black, Hispanic? There's a white guy, there's a white toddler in the middle of the... the I don't know. Okay, what color shirt is he? Suddenly, about a minute after the first call started coming in, shots ring out, further confusing police dispatch and concerned neighbors 
Some who believe there is some type of domestic disturbance playing out between a husband and a wife. Shots just went off. Okay. And the mom, a, a, a woman was screaming, and uh, a, 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 a man was screaming. And uh, after the gun broke, I don't hear the woman anymore. Okay. All right. What is is the mm-hmm. child a male or a female? A male. A male. All right. You don't see the you don't see the female there. Just the dad. I, I, I didn't see the female. I just saw the dad. But I don't hear her screaming anymore after the gunshot. You heard a gunshot too? Yes. It was like two or three gunshots. How many? Two or three. Okay. Operators continue trying to get an accurate description of the suspect while police are en route. His ethnicity, his clothing, and the weapon or weapons. What sounded like a brutal knife attack just moments before could have quickly evolved into gunfire, creating an increasingly unpredictable scene for police. A flurry of additional calls come in as neighbors wake up, fearful for their lives and afraid to look outside. Yes, I'm in Oak Forest Department. Do you have any shots in here? There's wet man department. There's gunshots out here. There's there's shot. There, there's a domestic dispute and gunshots. Do you have any further information, ma'am? No, it's in building 16. I'm looking at it right now. And I have a baby in here, and they're shooting guns out here. Okay, we're on the way, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, uh, there's a shooting. Sounds like. Okay. Do you have any further information, sir? Suspect? Anything? Yeah, yeah, let me just I've got a ton of calls coming in. So if you have something, I need to know it now. Uh, all we know is just right around the corner from where we're at. We were packing up to be moving okay. here. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to answer more calls. See if somebody else has more information. Okay. Thank you. As police begin staging a perimeter around the Oak Forest apartment complex, one caller provides some much-needed information regarding the shooting. It's not the violent father with the gun. It's her boyfriend, trying to stop him. He positions himself on the couple's second-story balcony, overlooking the man stabbing the small child some 40 yards away, and takes aim. What's happening? My boyfriend has a gun. I think he's shooting at them. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm shooting. Okay, take a deep breath for me, okay? You're doing a good job. The man shoots the crazed attacker once in the leg, but he continues stabbing and smashing the boy into the ground. The gunshot wound has little effect in thwarting the attack. Onlookers continue watching in disbelief. I think he's wearing a gray shirt. He's standing on the patio right now. Okay, so is he shooting at him? I think so. I need you to shooting or shouting? He has a he has his gun. Okay. Andy, come here. What apartment are y'all in? Oh God, the man is stabbing to me so. What's happening? The man who stabbed the toddler, I think he's begging to be shot. Okay, okay. Lauren, you're doing an excellent job, okay? Take a deep breath for me. Hold on real quick. I want my boyfriend to come in. I don't want him out there.
The Louisville father, police say, murdered his toddler son on Sunday, admitted to them that he did it. That's not really that surprising since police say Blair Ness did it in front of several neighbors, yelling at them about it while they tried to stop him. Ness was charged with capital murder today after his transfer from a hospital to jail. His newly released arrest affidavit includes some disturbing evidence found at the apartment complex where it happened. Twenty-seven-year-old Blair Ness, who was watching his 16-month-old son Ashton while the boy's mother was away at work, viciously killed his son there in the courtyard for all to see. Ness, who had apparently been attending church the past few weeks, was yelling out scriptures, proclaiming that Jesus was coming all throughout the sadistic murder. When police surrounded him and demanded he step away from his son, he refused and was apprehended only after being tased and aggressively dragged away from the tattered, bloody remains of his son in the grass. Witnesses looked on in horror, one even filming as police dragged him away while he continued calling out for them to contact his mother. While being detained, Ness allegedly confessed to police, admitting, quote, I know everyone's mad. I'm mad. I killed my son. Officers conducted a preliminary investigation and noticed a trail of blood leading all the way back to the Ness apartment. And once inside, saw the true depravity of this father turned killer. Inside, there was a large pool of blood in the couple's master bedroom, along with a folding knife covered in blood. Officers also reported the fresh smell of burnt marijuana as they made their way through the crime scene after obtaining a search warrant. Police noted several kitchen knives outside next to another large blood stain on a courtyard sidewalk, each one ominously stained with the young boy's blood. As police were waiting to re-enter the apartment with a search warrant, the boy's mother arrived on scene, witnessing the immediate aftermath of the attack. Upon entering the apartment a second time, Police observed blood stains on the floor and walls leading into the apartment, and several skull fragments near the bedroom door against the wall. Investigators ascertained that the vicious attack began inside the family's home. The boy, likely already dead by the time his father dragged his lifeless body outside to continue the devastating public mutilation. And Ness does have criminal history out of New Mexico. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to probation for kidnapping and assault in 2013. I spoke to a representative of his family who says he has no history of mental illness and he was not a violent person. That family spokesperson also says that he dated the child's mother for about two years and the two recently had been going to church. But this person believes that Ness took that down a different path and had been watching satanic videos on YouTube. This is a statement from Blair Ness's family. They say the shock of this vicious act will forever affect anyone that is close to this horror. We thank you for all the support, space and kindness during this time. Ness was charged with capital murder. His bond set at $1.5 million. 
He currently sits awaiting trial in the Denton County Jail. Though he confessed at the time of the murder, he has remained silent since shortly after his initial arrest. Though he presented an alarming criminal past, his violent behavior seemed totally uncharacteristic. He had just posted a family photo on Facebook five days before the tragic killing, expressing, quote, the start of something beautiful. I love my family. Man, do we have a strong bond. Let's all stand strong in Jesus Christ because it's so much better than magic. Love you guys so much. Though the results of his toxicology report have never been released, many have speculated Blair Ness was high on K2, otherwise known as synthetic marijuana, leading some to claim that he suffered from a temporary delusional state of psychosis and that his actions were the result of a self-inflicted synthetic reefer madness. (laughs) 